Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, how are you doing? Good. Uh, hey, thanks for joining me on the Transmandatory Podcast. No problems. Is this live, or how, how do these work? Um, yeah, it's it's live. So if I decide um, that I want to keep the material, I just post it, and it's good to go. Okay, so you don't have to like edit anything, or. Um, I mean, sometimes I'll go back and edit it, but sometimes it'll just kind of turn itself into what it needs to be. Okay, cool. I never heard of this app before. Yeah, I, um, I listen to a lot of podcasts because I'm a truck driver, um, for Grow Generation. So I'm constantly listening to podcasts and I've heard a lot of people recommend anchors. I tried it out and it seems to work. How do you just and how do you discover our uh, the non-standard fourteener podcast? Our podcast. Um, I just got super addicted to everything fourteeners. Um, I grew up in Aurora, but I was a competitive swimmer, so I was um, basically told to avoid activities that would break my body. <laughs> so. I think the most rebellious thing I did was snowboarding, and um, I got in trouble for that as well. <laughs> and then when did you get into the 14ers? But, um, I just started getting into them about a year, year and a half, um, maybe a year and a couple months ago. I'm at about 32 okay. of the 58, or 32 of the 54, and like 34 of the 50, 58. Oh, that's a good, okay. Got, you got some of the harder ones done? Um, I, I ended up doing, uh, the little bear to Blanca traverse. Um, oh, nice. and then I actually got into a sticky situation, uh, at the Crestones right before, um, winter hit us. So I was trying to get in the traverse right before that. Um, I think it was that snowstorm in not the September one, but the one right after that in October. And, okay. uh, yeah, I just got a little bit, you know, overconfident. We got over broken hand pass. It was windy as hell, like always. And then um, we just we, – we didn't do the route right. I didn't do enough studying. We didn't drop an uh, elevation to go to Cottonwood. We ended up kind of sticking – kind of going through all those uh, – like ledges and spires and stuff, and we cliffed out uh, and then ended up getting hit by that snowstorm and <laughs> got back to the car at about 9.30 or 10 with my crampons frozen on my feet. Oh, wow. That's, that's a learning experience. Oh, yeah. That's actually um, – the this podcast started out as Fatties and 14ers, and I felt like there was a – for me you know i started bagging them and we would have like kind of the you know fuck this mountain we're gonna conquer this mountain and it just like i i, I grew in respect for the mountain and um my mentality changed and there's a little sign at the that goes towards the south colony lake and it talks about how returns mandatory how the summit's optional but returns mandatory so that's a clever. I like that. I never heard that term before. Did yeah, think- I think it was the guy that was like a couple hundred feet or a couple thousand. I think it was a couple hundred feet of uh, Everest summit, and he turned around. 
Oh, that'd be that'd be hard to do. Yeah. If we had to. Uh, yeah, had to... I... Go ahead. Just, just that 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 Cresto needle is no joke. We had a, on our, our podcast the one guy that fell off the needle and was rescued off a of Blackhawk and wrote a book about it. Learning his story was wild. You get off route, get in that wrong gully, and he tried to corkscrew around some of those spires and fell. So yeah, glad yeah, you yeah. made it off there safely. So we'll always be there. So um, yeah, I I really enjoyed the dynamic of. Uh, of your group so i i was a little bit curious to know were you guys friends before 14ers or yeah so the non the group on the non-standard 14er podcast uh I, I i moved out in colorado in 2010 and i was a teaching assistant at the university of denver and i ran into jace he was actually my, my student and i was a teaching assistant uh and so that's why i kind of met him and hang out and you know got to know him he actually, I, uh, we did Albert that November. It was a really bad windstorm. I got windburned like on my face. And I walked into class and Jace asked me if I got into a fight. And that's how we kind of started talking about, well, I actually we did Mount Albert and it was hellish windy. And that's where the windburn came from. And that's how we kind of got started <laughs> talking about 14ers, knowing each other, we were doing the 14ers. And then some other, other people, uh, Patrick, I met at the University of Denver. He was a bartender at a pretty popular Irish bar next to DU. And, you know, we were sitting there talking 14 years and he overheard us and we quickly became friend, good friends with him. And then some other people that are just kind of recurring guests are kind of, I met kind of through 14er gatherings and just the 14er.com website and just some, some mutual friends that are part of the kind of the 14er community. A lot of, you know, and a lot of people, you know, through like for their 14er handle whatever their, their name they use on 14ers.com in the forum. So like the mongoose or the tornado man rye guy has been a guest a couple times. Oh, that's all their names on 14ers. Yeah. That's the 14.com like handle. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then another guy, uh, the exiled Michigander, he's a buddy who lives in Salt Lake. He's a, I met him in grad school as well. He kind of got me into the 14ers. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I think I actually broke the rule, the whole trail name thing. Giving your your own name? <laughs> your own or what? Yeah. Uh, right when we got into it, I started listening to a lot of podcasts and everybody had, you know, these, these names. So I was like, all right, man, we cannot get off this mountain without having names for ourselves. <laughs> so... It took it took a couple hours, you know, of thinking. But um, yeah. Am I what's your phone name? Your phone, maybe, maybe on. Uh, yeah. Is there an echo? I think there might be a little bit of an echo. Yeah. Let's see. I don't know how to change anything? Finish recording. Hmm. I don't know if I can. Let's see. What is your 14er name? Um, honestly, I don't know what it trail is. Name? But my trail name is Chains. Chains. Oh, okay. That's a, okay. I was wondering that reading your podcast from the, the uh, subscription. Chains. And then what's is there a story behind it, I'm guessing? Um, it was just kind of the way 
it was the only thing that really made sense for me because my uh, little Sonata, you know, it can go as far as I take it. And so I always ended up needing chains for my car. Uh, I always end up wearing these ridiculous giant chains around my neck when I hike. And even like during the work day and stuff, I have this little chain thing with a carabiner on my wrist. So I've got chains with me basically everywhere. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I figured I'd get away from the whole Phelps nickname, you know, no matter, no matter what happens, it always drips back to Phelps because my name's Michael Phelps, like the swimmer. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. So so we were at, have you done a Calebra? What do you have to pay for? No, I haven't. I actually tried doing like a Black Ops mission on that thing and didn't work out. Oh, yeah. Dark Snake, or they call that one. Yeah. Um, we, so when you, when you go down there and you have to be through the gate like at 6 a.m., they close the gate for like only 15 minutes. And so you, you lose your reservations. Everyone normally goes down there the night before and camps and sleeps in their car or puts a tent by the gate before Carlos lets you in at 6 a.m. And so it's kind of cool because everyone is late in their 14-year journey because no one's doing that one just to do it. Most of them are people are trying to finish. So it's, it's a cool, interesting you know, group of people that are fun to talk to. We, we got to talking to this one guy who hikes uh, by himself all the time, and he basically like lost 100 and some pounds doing the 14ers. He, he was kind of a gamer and drank too much Mountain Dew and decided he needed a life change and just started hiking. And he got addicted, addicted to getting up above 12,000. 13,000 foot peaks. Oh, okay. He, I think I actually heard of, heard that podcast. He, um, you guys were experimenting with like trail talk or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. We just kind of recorded there at the, at the, uh, yeah, the gate of the, of the ranch, but, uh, he hikes alone. And so the next, um, you know, he did, he, he was always jealous cause he never had a trail name or he's kind of wanted a trail name. And so he was hiking with, we were hiking with him and we ran him to on, on the ridge of Calebra and he kind of like, like a hinted at like, well, do you have like a, you know, do you, have a, do you have a good name for me? And like, I was like, didn't have anything good. We were on the ridge of Calebra. So I was like, I don't know, snake ridge runner or something. But he also, <laughs> he, he celebrates every peak by having a little bit of Blanton's bourbon. And so he told us that the night before. And Jace quickly said, how about the Blant or the bourbon billy goat or something like that? And the guy's eyes lit up. And he was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and he, he was like, he was like a school, it was like a kid at like Christmas morning and got like an awesome present. He was so like, his, the, the, the vision of his face just lighting up, being dawned with this Billy Goat, bourbon Billy Goat a trail name was so cool. <laughs> and then we, later on, I saw him on Facebook, you know, he, he was posting stuff like the bourbon Billy Goat gets another peak this week. Or, so that was one <laughs> of the cooler Bourbon things. Billy Goat out. <laughs> Yeah, my girlfriend, um, she got the nickname Mama Llama. And then um, my main partner that I started this with uh, is Switchbacks. Awesome. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure people won't be too happy when they find out that I gave myself my own name, but I think I could make it. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> Uh, yeah, mine was given because I always carry extra rope just in case on most peaks or most class three, class four routes. Just a to... that was Snuffles, right? Yeah, the V notch on Snuffles. Have you done that? Yeah, I actually didn't know anything about it until I got up it. 
And then I was like, oh, I've got. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty icy and snowy. So yeah, I made it up. I actually ended up um, fall, slipping off of it on the way down. And um, I know that those guys uh, that you had on that podcast that day where he was talking about like uh, skiing down the scree field. Um, yeah. It looked really different when I went with like the, where the snow and the ice was placed because it actually, where I slipped off, I had to turn around and kind of like grab into the ground because um, it was basically like a, a slide into like a drop off into just a bunch of boulders. So yeah, that was kind of a little scary moment for me. That's a, it's a little harder. I think Roach has that like class two plus or, but I think it's a little uh, more challenging than people give, give, give a credit for the standard route on snappers. Yeah. And I think because I didn't know about it, I didn't have like the respect for the move. So I actually tried climbing down with my belly, belly forwards. (laughs) So that's where I kind of got that slip. I should have down climbed proper and just like faced the rock and, you know, did it right. Now, have you have you passed? We call it the watershed moment, like the, the point in your fourteen or career where, like, a lot of people start out and they're like, oh, I don't know if I can do them. I'll try to do all the you know the class two, class three ones. I don't know if I can do the most dangerous ones. And then they have like a watershed m- moment where like they get capital off the list or get them the bells or pyramid, and they know they can finish. Are you are you on the other side of your watershed moment? Do you think do you know you're going to finish? Um, I would say yes. Um. The only thing that scares me a little bit is the um, North Maroon. I've just um, basically it's it, if if you were to break it down just climbing ability, I would say yes. But just the sheer factor of the side of the wall might completely break loose from the mountain, or you know, like that story um, of that guy on your podcast on capital when he jumped backwards and landed on that ledge stuff like that, where like the mountain explodes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. That loose, that's crazy, crazy sound. And the way that elk range rock just kind of just like, it was just waiting for like a microwave just go. Yeah. So uh, North Maroon and pyramid probably scare me the most, but um, I'm pretty confident when it comes to like capital and the, the Creston Traverse and the Wilson de Obiente Traverse, stuff like that. Um, and Pyramid, for whatever reason, in my head. I think that's healthy, though. It's healthy to respect it. Yeah, but I, the thing that I've mm-hmm. found is, like, it, the certain climbs will kind of unlock the next climb for me. Like, I don't really know what I'm going to do next until I complete the one that I already know I'm going to do. And then I'm like, all right, now I could try this one. Like when I did Little Bear to Blanca, I was riding off crazy confidence on that one. And then like the next week I failed on Quandary or something like that. (laughs) Or no, it was Humble. I failed on Humble right after that, yeah. What what month? Uh, I think it was uh, October or November. That's that's later in the yeah that's tougher conditions. Yeah, I did I the, uh, the rainbow route 
on the East Ridge. Yeah, that's the winter route. Did they come? I, yeah. Right? Instead of hiking into kind of South Colony where you go to do the Broken Hand Pass, you kind of just take up that ridge right away, right? Yeah, yeah. So when you get up onto the ridge and then take a left, um, usually there's like a trench or some kind of a signal that a human's gone that way. But when I went out there, we were just like breaking trail and we ended up walking over the ridge and into the next gully, kind of like your little um, uh, nah dude thing, you know. Oh, yeah. Lost, <laughs> lost last Karen or something like that. So we did. I did the same thing. I've done that route twice and failed both times in, in winter. Um, and then we, the same thing with you. We had to break trail. It's so hard to break trail. We had three of us at least. So we would take turns. You can, I mean, you're, we're in, you know, belt high snow with snowshoes on. And so, you know, you'd go 20 yards and then shift back to the, the third person and the next person would break trail for, it's definitely awesome to have someone else's trench that has already done it. Yeah. Like I was on 14ers.com. There was one guy that's like, he was like, I, I can't do a 14er this week, but I'm, I want to get out. And so is, is anyone going to do a 14er? I'll gladly go and snowshoe the first couple miles for you and pack it down. That sounds like <laughs> something really Bill cool. would say. Bill Shea. Okay. Yeah, I, I always see him out there trudging, and <laughs> people joke around how he, uh, you can hire him. <laughs> oh, that's, that makes a huge difference. Even being the third person. Oh yeah. After two people have broken snow. So when you go with three people, are you guys? trading you're trading off like the leader of break like they kind of drift backwards or do you guys how do you do that that's that's exactly what we do like in football in high school we called them with like indian sprints or something where the you know the one person would lead for on the, the person in the very back would sprint to the front and you keep on kind of it's sort of like what we, what we do is the first person then first person once he breaks trail then he goes to the third person because that's the easiest position yeah yeah, I really, yeah, I really enjoy three people snowshoeing. Um, it's so much easier on the mind to push through. We actually stashed our snowshoes once we got above because it's so windswept up there, and it's just a brutal, just straight up the straight up the ridge. We stashed our snowshoes, and then we we with the wind and the snow, we got we couldn't find our snowshoes on the way back. We didn't come back to our original trail. And so we figured we'd cross our original trail and we ended up having to break trail on the way back down. It was a, it was a mess. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. I've had but then yeah. a gal in 14 years then went the next week and retrieved all three pair of our snowshoes. Oh, that's amazing. Solo. The guy, I forget her name. Solo. Yeah. She snowshoed her own pair up, got humbled and then grabbed our three pairs of snowshoes and brought them down and, met, and then met, met us for a beer in Denver. Like, Oh, that's amazing. Our snowshoes back. Yeah. Was she? Did she listen yeah, to your can, podcast too? No, no. That was uh, years ago before we had the podcast. Oh, okay. And before we wisened up a little bit. <laughs> so, how big is your I audience like now? I mean, you guys are pretty awesome. There's really nobody else out there. I just do this for fun, but I mean, you guys have like actual, you know, like questions and, um, you know, different. The not the not dude section and like the, the what's the yeah. other one you guys have? We have a uh, off off route jingle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where'd you? Yeah, that was uh. Was that 
I like uh, a, he was just sitting at sitting at a bar in the airport and my buddy Patrick, uh Colorado Trail Patrick or whatever, whatever you call him. We call him Walk Mode Patrick. Uh he worked at, at the bar um in the airport and we wrote that little jingle as I was waiting for a plane. And then I used a website called Fiverr where you can kind of find anyone across the world to do like digital stuff or graphic design. I found this artist that, that uh, does jingles and told her, I don't know, a couple, 20 bucks or something. She had written a jingle before I boarded the plane. So I, I we wrote it there and, and I sent it to her and she did it right away with her guitar and recorded it and sent it back to me before I boarded my plane like an hour later. Are you serious? Yeah, it was really cool. Digital world. Oh, wow. Yeah, that one that one actually makes me laugh pretty hard. <laughs> I mean, we haven't used one in the latest episodes. But to your question, I think we're getting numbers on Podbean where uh, I think we have 400, 400, 400 downloads is the, is the most popular episode. Um, so I guess we're, we're building there. I just the thing that's always confused me about this community is how unpopular and like how niche it is. Because, like, when I'm out there, I'm thinking to myself, why doesn't every single person do this? But then by the end of the day, when your body's completely broken, you realize most people don't want to destroy themselves on their off day. Yeah, right. Or get up four hours earlier than they do on a work day. <laughs> yeah. So which one scared you the most on your journey? Like, what was the hardest? What was your watershed moment? I, I, I we did a um, really awesome trip. We did Snowmass and North Maroon in the same trip. So, my buddy Sean, the Exile Michigander, and I, we, we parked at uh, Snowmass Lake Trailhead. We uh, hiked like the eight miles into the snow, like just below Snowmass Lake, and did Snowmass the next day. Uh, we did kind of in, there was a fair amount of snow still left. It was like early July. So, we were able to cramp on pretty close straight up almost to the summit instead of, instead of going the standard route where kind of you kind of run, run that little loose ridge that some people have died on yeah uh, so, so snowmass scared me because several, several, several people have died on that and then we camped that night and the next day then we hiked over i think it's trail rider trail rider pass it's part of the four pass loop and so we and that put us uh we moved camp to right below uh the, just above tree line on north maroon and then Patrick came up from uh, North Maroon, uh, Maroon Trailhead that morning, and we met him at like four in the morning. He had started probably at two in the morning to get to where we were camped, and then we, we got North Maroon safely. And so that was my watershed, getting getting the snow mass that scared me and North Maroon that scared me. Yeah. Oh, man, I can't, can't imagine how much of a relief it was to get North Maroon done. Hey, North Maroon's not that bad if you do that. Do it when no one's above you, so you don't worry about, worry about rock fall. And yeah. Just make sure you cross those gullies in, in the right spot. We uh, we stashed a, a bright yellow puffy uh, down puffy jacket on uh, where the crossover is to the second gully, the first gully, so we knew we didn't descend too far because that's what some people get 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 in trouble. They descend too far on the way down, yeah. and they get in a bad situation. And we actually descended past it when we realized that we were below our below our turnoff and we could see the bright yellow jacket again so we had to climb back up and but if you stay on route i don't think 
North Maroon is anything that you haven't seen doing the Little Bear Traverse. Okay. The yeah, the thing I cool. liked about Little Bear is the rock was just so sturdy. Like, you had confidence in every handhold and foothold. Even did you and you went up the uh, hourglass? Yeah, honestly, I didn't even know about the. I didn't even listen to that podcast on the ridge and hourglass debate until after I went. Um, honestly, if I would have listened to that podcast before I did it, I probably would have taken the Southwest Ridge. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's one of the big debates. But the- I always, if if there's an option to take the ridge, I like. I like taking the ridge and I I'm like a almost a purist in the fact that I like to take like ridge proper a lot of times. Okay. So like my, when I was doing um, the traverse across Little Bear to Blanca, I did all the powers as well. Oh wow, okay. And do, you, do you carry a rope when you do something like that? Um no, I don't. Okay. Uh just a helmet. And did you do Ellingwood too the same day? Uh, no, I had previously done Blanca and Ellingwood together. Um, that's actually how I found the Karens to the turnoff to go to Little Bear. So I did Blanca and Ellingwood together. And then on the way down, I was like, oh, that looks like, oh, that's the turnoff to go to Little Bear. <laughs> so I yeah, think I came back like the next week after that. A little creek right there that kind of runs and then goes up that first gully. Yep, yep. That's exactly where we camped. Did it a couple years ago. So, how much snow did you guys get? We it's still coming down um, pretty hard. I bet we're above sixteen inches at least right now. Probably heading toward twenty. Yeah, yeah, same here. We're getting slammed. I don't. The ground is actually connected with the snow on my girlfriend's car right now. So. <laughs> I think we passed the two foot mark. I got an igloo maker that I'm going to start after this podcast. We're working on an igloo. I don't know if you ever saw Igloo Eddie or the igloo guy on the 14ers.com. Uh-uh. I think he lives in Lyons, Colorado, and he invented this igloo maker. It's this like plastic uh, device that looks like a you know giant like, rectangle, and you can slide it along. It has like a long like uh, handle, like a broom handle, sort of, where you anchor it into the center of the igloo and then you can just keep on moving around as the radius of the circle moving the the uh ice box or whatever it's called and building an igloo <clears throat> yeah but on the 14ers there's always a, a discussion of or a, a post each each winter about people who make igloos what's it what was the discussion just it's more like just like show me show me your pictures of your igloos oh okay i got you yeah yeah, we used to do that back in the day. There was a, I think it was like the mid 90s and then the late 90s, like four or five years later, we got hit with like four. Oh, and the city was shut down. And yeah, we would build igloos. And I built a terrain park in my backyard that went from the roof to the shed over the <laughs> fence onto the neighbor's roof. Really? So it's kind of, it's kind of like bringing back childhood. Good feelings. I love seeing this much snow. Yeah, we uh, 
hoping to ski. Uh, I skied my first 14 or the, the, the back in 2020. We skied Democrat. That was a blast. I think our crew is going to try to do. Uh, we want to do the Angel this year. We want to ski ski Shivano. Oh, okay. So we're hoping that's getting pounded right now. So that the Angel will be in longer than than those earlier years when it melts out so quickly. Have you done Shivano? Yes, I have. Yeah, I think I might actually switch to skis. I uh, when I was a kid, I started with skis. I even paid the money to do the downhill, you know, racing or whatever. Um, then I switched to snowboarding, and now I'm kind of feeling the urge to go back to to skis. It's just more yeah, of a natural tough, standing yeah. position for me. So what's the well, last 14 we did this year? Let's see. We did – it was a pretty weak summer with the – we did Columbia, Harvard. Um, that, that's a brutal traverse. It's no joke. It's a hard uh, – you have to lose a lot of elevation. It takes like three hours to, from Harvard to Columbia. We can't. We hiked mm-hmm. and camped in the Elkhorn ba- – Elkhead El- – Elkhorn? Horn Fork. Horn Fork Basin did, did Harvard and traversed to Columbia. Uh, let's see. The winter welcomer. So that was the last one I've been. I did quandary. On oh, okay. And so we did the uh, what's that? Southwest Ridge. It's the non. It's the non-standard on the backside of quandary. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a couple of fun moves, and it's pretty sketchy. But yeah, it was quandary. So, and that was like a ten-year anniversary of doing quandary the first time on Halloween, and I had like no gear, and I wore cotton socks, and just like stupid. <laughs> Almost got frosted on my toes. Um, That's part of the 14, 14er journey is like wising up. I like, I like in your edits of your or your description of your podcast, you say it's like give give tips and, and, and that you learn along the way. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I found out on, um, oh, what was it? Yale. I found out on Yale that uh, the Sportiva ice climbing shoes are not necessarily the best hiking shoes. I mean, they're waterproof and all that, but um, the toes actually get really cold. And I think it's because you use your toes so much in ice climbing that they made it that way. Yeah. Yep. I got a pair pair this year, actually. We were down in Ure a couple weeks ago climbing some ice. I haven't done any ice climbing, actually. Is it really? So you're you must be anchored into like yeah, a rock above the actual fall, right? Yeah, the, the ice park in Uray is amazing. It's like a world class destination. The whole canyon there, they 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 farm ice. Um, I climbed the first ice time. First ice climbing I did was in Lake City. They have a small little wall there, just just by the town. But I mean, Uray probably has ten times the ice at least, and. Uh, they, they, all the other routes are bolded. They have bolded the anchors in the top of the canyon. So a lot of times you got, you got I mean, you got basically got to like rappel down into the canyon and then you just spend the day climbing. Oh, the man. Yeah, I guess that, I, that makes a little bit more sense because I guess when I had first looked at it, these guys were going up these ice blocks like, what happens if it breaks? <laughs> you know, because I, I think I've 
if I remember right, I saw if there was like free a free climbing community in the Ice World too. Oh wow! Yeah, you should watch. Uh, look at the finals of the of the the Ure, uh, competition. Some of these people are. It's fun huh. to watch. Their their logo. They have an artist that does the logo for them every year, and their logo this year for the ice climbing festival and is like a. You know that plague mask? Oh, yeah, it's like the, the long, long yeah. Nose. Yeah, so they have this kind of dark-looking, ominous guy with a, you know, person with a plague mask. And, it, and his plague mask kind of looks like his ice axe that he's swinging. It's a pretty badass. You can find it online. Pretty badass. Uh, like a, I bought one of their shirts. That Uri Ice, it's all free. It's all run by donations. Um, it's amazing. I didn't realize that until I did it this year. How It's like a world-class destination for ice climbing so yeah i've always i've always driven past it and looked down into it but um yeah never actually did it yeah i got i got hooked pretty hardcore once i got once i got going on the 14 and it was basically the only thing i did and you do a lot of them solo or with your with your partner um, podcast? actually it, it really turned into solo uh, especially with like the pandemic and everything, you know, um, I was just trying to play my part and, you know, stay away from people. There was a couple times I had somebody meet me at the trailhead, but we still kind of kept our distance. Um, but yeah, it, it ended up turning into mm-hmm. a lot of it was solo. So, which is fun, but it's at the same time, um, you don't get that shared experience to look back on. Um, and I find it a little bit harder to push past those hard mental blocks when you're alone. It's so much easier for me to like feed off somebody else's energy. Yeah, definitely. Reading, uh, we had, uh, what Scott Nash, he wrote 14 years to Colorado 14er disaster book. And in that book, he talks about how like having a partner, but also having a partner that hikes the same speed as you is so crucial. Because if you have a partner who's too slow, they're always frustrated because you're because they're always playing catch up and they never kind of get, get a chance to catch their breath. They're always feeling like they're behind. And the person who's faster is always waiting and they're doubly frustrated. So it's just a testament to finding a really good group of people that you're also the same level and enjoy talking. That's part of the reason we got into our podcast is like, I spent so much time on the trails with Patrick and Sean, and we've, we've told the same stories to each other like 10 times. I've heard, and so like we needed like a third, but if a third person hikes with us, it's like a new audience member. And so we can like run through our own old material that we've already heard, but the th- you know, it's new to the third person. And so that's kind of the, was the kind of the, the uh, genesis of the podcast was we're sick of hearing our own stories. Let's get an audience to tell the same stories you've heard. <laughs> Well, I, I appreciate it because uh, I I definitely listen to every one of those episodes because uh, it just gives you – I feel like it paints a, a good picture in my mind about the actual trail and what to experience. Um, I mean, you can look up the YouTube videos, and that's going to be some of the best information. But just hearing people's personal stories, um, 
you know, especially uh, like looking back on some of those episodes, the way that you guys describe them, I'm like, okay, that's, yeah, that's the perfect explanation. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad we're giving a value add. It was kind of, didn't know what we were doing when we started, but it's kind of morphed into, you know, we typically have some guests and sometimes we do like go back to our bread and butter and just do like a specific peak. And so we'll get a couple people together and tell stories of, you know, doing the Southwest Ridge versus the South Slopes of Snuffles or like our capital podcast is one of the actually the capital podcast and the pyramid podcast are one of the most downloaded see i really liked the uh the questions the game show oh good yeah yeah we did that yeah that's kind of part of i'm pretty proud of those too that's covid covid year and didn't via zoom and yeah so curiosity question on that you guys are super knowledgeable like that's very clear to see in here um do you guys have open maps or you know um, open journals and stuff while you're talking because a lot of these things i'm like did he just pull that right off the top of his head you know i feel like it would make sense sometimes when you're describing specifics of routes that you'd be like looking at the map Did I lose you? Sorry about that. Can you hear me? Sure. I got connected. My wi my Wi-Fi has been storms playing havoc with my Wi-Fi, so I'll just go on my off the Wi-Fi now. So you said curiosity question? Yeah. Um my curiosity question was when you guys are doing those shows or you're talking about specific routes. Do you guys have maps sprawled out on the table in front of you, or do you have notes off to the side? Because if not, that is very impressive. Uh, sometimes we do some research. Just sometimes we have you know fourteeners.com opened or, or Jerry Roach's fourteener book in front of us. Uh, oh, okay. But a lot of time we just spend a lot of time researching the route to begin with. Yeah, that's the same thing my mom says. It's like you guys have incredible memories. And I guess I don't know. Just. It just burned in our memory when you when you do those peaks and you, you you research them and then you do them and they're hard to forget. But I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, some of uh, yeah, I think some of my favorite pieces of information that you guys have given out have been like some of the background stories on you know stories of the region or the towns. Like um, I think it was the red red cloud sunshine one when oh, yeah. um, with like the cannibals. Yeah, Cannibal Packer, Alfred Packer. Yeah, yeah, that one. And um, there was a couple other ones, like there, um, like artist uh, poetry about certain places, and you're like, they wrote that standing here. It's like, what? Oh, yeah, it was Walt Whitman. Walt Whitman, when I, when I was doing research for the trivia podcast. Yeah. It may have been, yeah. So, yeah, the, I, I love all that background information type stuff. Yeah, That's the kind of stuff that when you're like out on the trail, you could be like, pull out a really awesome background story. <laughs> That's cool. We should get back to that because we haven't done really any sort of history uh, lately. We have another one guy. I think we have an in the works. Maybe uh, we got to finish his book. He wrote a book about the 10th Mountain Division out of Leadville and kind of trained for World War II around Mount Massive in that area. In Albert. So I got to finish his book and it might have him rejoin the podcast. That was the that was the the witty, those, those three uh, father and son that live in Kansas. 
Oh, okay. Uh, was one of them was one of them uh, a pastor? Yes. Yep. Yep. I know who you're talking about. I actually really. That was one of my favorite. That one in the Mount of the Holy Cross episode because um, I don't know who made the comment, but he was like, you know, if you're Christian, this would be well worth the uh, the experience and um, the way that they were kind of talking about being out in nature and how it just almost like more alive to have a connection with it on like a spiritual level. So I really enjoyed that. If you have a chance to get to Monash Mountain chapter sometime or get there when this to watch sunrise, that's, it was pretty magical, magical experience to see that sunrise come up and just highlight the, the cross. See, and I've, I have yet to do that route. I, I did the suffer fest, um, down into the Mosquito Gulch. Oh, yeah. East Cross Creek and then over Half Moon Pass. Yeah, I actually didn't at the time. Um, that was one of the first ones that I had done, and I had limited knowledge, so I didn't even know about the um, the Halo route. It's, it's, I've never done the whole route. I just We just hiked to Nosh Mountain Shelter on that trip. But that was before, because uh, that road doesn't open until after like the elk migration or whatever they do like what late june uh so we actually mountain biked the whole road um and then hiked in camp by the but and then did the hike to notch mountain shelter the next morning well cool it's cool to that i'm glad you're your value add to our podcast it's nice to hear from fans i guess <laughs> yeah definitely a fan uh i mean it was pretty safe to say that it was a hard year for all of us so um you know you you kind of feel i felt like i kind of knew you guys because every episode was so consistent and you guys had a like obviously there's not much structure to this podcast that's never been my thing i just try to like pick people's brains but the way that it's structured it's almost like um like the Brady family or something or the Brady bunch. <laughs> cool. Yeah, we I do uh I use Audacity and then I so I, I edit I spend a fair amount of time editing stuff too. Sometimes I'll slide the conversations around that make more sense logically. Or we'll clip, clip yeah. stuff. Clip sometimes and I'll spend a lot of time clipping people's ums. <laughs> that takes a while. That took me actually myself a very long time because I would listen to the podcast before I posted it. Uh-huh. And I looked at my girlfriend and I was like, I, I say, um, a lot. Um, or like yeah, everyone does. <laughs> you have particularly when you re-listen to something like that. Oh yeah. It's so funny though, because when you're trying to describe some of the experiences early on, a lot of times it is kind of um and like because it's it's almost like describing a mushroom trip or something to someone. <laughs> it's because for me it was just it was very spiritual and very above anything I'd ever done. I mean, I've had a lot of fun, um, you know, experiences, but a lot of times when I was in the ocean, I had a lot of fear and I couldn't. I couldn't get rid of that fear. 
and I was constantly having to worry about coming up to the surface and to be able to spend an entire day basically on top of the world and interact with nature. That was, that was what kept me coming back. That's pretty cool. You ever read a book, hear a book called flow or hear, or, or hear a flow state? Like you're here. Someone say like they're really in the groove or they're really into the flow. Yeah, absolutely. Like when Michael Jordan's in kind of the flow state, yeah, he could never miss. He feels like he never misses. And like there's a book um, called Flow about this guy in the early 90s. And he basically gave all these people pagers and he would page them and say, like, tell me your feelings right now, your happiness. What are you doing? And so he, I mean, he gave between like chess players and ballerinas. And he found that people when people get into flow, like time like goes way just disappears like you get so focused on one task that like and you just your body's mechanically doing it it's like you're perfect and so like runners get into flow states and chess players and people doing crossword puzzles and 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 you don't get in flow states watching tv or being on social media because it's just you don't never concentrate long enough but also being hiking in nature is another way of triggering yoga is another way of getting into flow state but i you know, you get, sometimes you get on the trail and you hike, you hike two hours and it feels like it felt like it was only like 10 minutes. Yeah. The experiences that you're like, wow, man, put four, four miles in and, and terror already. And felt like we just got out of the car. Except for the, uh, the, what the last three to five miles on the way down, you're like, it's just around this corner. The car's just yeah. around the corner. And you're like, oh, then, then it's like reverse. <laughs> yeah it's like your your uh endorphins have already been like the floodgates already been used up and now you're just kind of survival yeah. mode i felt that on have you done longs i haven't that's one i've been really wanting to do that lay the last several miles come down we did that we did meeker on the way so pat and i left denver at 130 and we did uh, we kind of made a big circle around the, the diamond face. We climbed up uh, uh, the left side and did Meeker first, then came around, found Clark's arrow, and then rejoins the standard route. And then we went back down the standard keyhole route. But from the boulder, so what, from the, what parking lot are you starting at? Same, same, uh, same parking lot. That means you, you still the first four, four or so miles of the same trail. Then it splits off kind of right. Like the, at the lake there, when you can kind of see the diamond of the face of Longs, and the standard goes right, and you go up to the boater field and through the keyhole, and then kind of circle the, you know, backside, the right side of it, moving counterclockwise. But we went clockwise and went left at that turn, and then climbed the kind of a class three ridge, bagged Meeker as a centennial. That was a great way to do Longs. And then we went to the uh, brewery there in Lyons, which is what, what Dale had a cold Dale's Pale Ale. It's probably one of the better beers I had after a hike. So about the Centennials, how far along are you on that? Not very. I think I only have a couple. Oh, okay. The COVID kind of dampened my my summer. I spent a, I did a week long trip to to um, uh, uh, Yellowstone. That's, I, had a, I had a great, not a great summer. I just didn't do, do, do many peaks in Colorado. I got gotcha. you. Gonna start checking. Yeah. Honestly, adventures are really where it's at. 
regardless of if it's a 14 or not. There's so many amazing parks to go to throughout the nation. And Yeah, I would, that would be one piece of advice I'd give you. I got, like, so tunnel-focused on the 14ers. And it was, like, always, like, well, what are we doing next weekend? Or, like, and, like, you forget how many other awesome things, like, even waterfall hikes or just elevated lakes to hike to, or 13ers or 12ers or other places to camp. Enjoy Colorado. Don't just get tunnel focused on just the 14ers. And so, like, once I finished yeah, the 14ers exactly. and started to read about the Centennials and research hot springs and waterfalls and just backcountry, like, you know, Lone Peak near the Indian Peak Wilderness, like the Gore Range, there's so many great places other than 14ers, too. Yeah, one that I have my heart set on. And I'm not going to know the name of the peak, but it, I think it's in the San Juans, kind of close to Jagged. It's the one that looks like a like a wave, like a concrete wave. Oh, is that turret or pigeon or what? Which... It may be, but I was just infatuated with it. But yeah, it just looks like a. I think it might be. Oh, yeah, it is looks it... like a stone wave. Is it on the? Is it on the cover of Roach's Thirteener book? Um, you know what? I I don't even know what that looks like Maybe to be honest with you. Sometime, but that one, and then um, there was another one that someone described on your podcast, where it's a thirteener, and from the peak or just slightly off from the peak, you rappel down through like a hole. Oh yeah, what's that? Is that Dallas or Tea Kettle? One of those? T- I think it was Tea Kettle. Yeah. Is that what, what closer to Snef- the Snuffles area? Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it was. So those those two are kind of riding high on my list. But honestly, uh, I would love to just go up to the lake and see the iconic Bells shot. You know, I haven't even seen that yet. Oh, you haven't been to Maroon Lake? It's, it's harder now with all the you – know, you got to take the shuttle now and they restrict parking. Yeah, that's what's kept me away from the area is it just seems to be so stressful to just get up there. <laughs> well, I mean, well, Jace needs North Maroon, but the reservation system was booked because of COVID. It was so hard to even get to Maroon Lake this year. It was kind of frustrating. When do, that, when do they usually open that up and get rid of that um, winter road? I'm not sure. I don't know what they'll do. It's getting so popular now. Everyone doing, you know, doing the four pass loop. People are going to Conundrum Hot Springs. That whole area is just getting. I bet, I bet they permit that soon. Yeah, yeah. It seems to be quite the area for rules. You know, have too many people. Too many people pooping in the same spot in nature. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. You know, I've, I felt so guilty because when I first started getting into this, I didn't even consider stuff like that. I wasn't listening to podcasts up on it. I was just kind of like, I know which way's up and I know where I start. And, uh, yeah, needless to say, I carry um, dog bags with me. I treat myself like I'm my own dog. <laughs> Wag bags, yeah. So... That that is one of the more frustrating things because um, on one end you're excited to see people getting out into nature, and 
when you see certain people, it's like, oh, you've never done this before, have you? You know, so it's like you you want to kind of like take them by your side and tell them everything, but you know, it's kind of it's kind of fun to watch. Yeah, that's a. Uh, can you hear me? That didn't fade it out a second. Losing connection. Hello. Sorry, you're cutting it in and out. Are you there again? All right, I think we're back temporarily. Say again? Can you hear me? I think we're back temporarily. You were saying about the watching people and telling people their mistakes? Yeah, it's tempting, but um, I, I, I like to usually just kind of like let them alone unless they're doing something just outrageous. Yeah, that's all then that's I'll say the something like it's like you don't want to be the dick that you know yells at someone, but like there's a, there's a tactful way of doing it. Like you know, like hey, we're on K two and there's obviously a storm coming. <laughs> you can't be crossing the knife edge right now. Like, did you did you, did you see the weather? <laughs> we had that happen. We, we Taylor and Jace were on top of Tories and there was a guy throwing rocks off the summit of Tories down Kelso Ridge. Oh my god! And so, so he's like, "Well, that's not that's not a standard route. No one comes up that route." And he's like, "Yeah, we did." And there's other a lot of other people on that ridge right now. Why would you be doing that? So like stuff like that, you have to say something. But like, there's a tactful way of doing it, and there's the kind of like the uh, untackle way. I think we actually might have to cut short um i think one of the lines around here locally might have got destroyed from this snowstorm <laughs> yeah i think we're both having can you yep, still I'm hear me serious. okay yeah so i guess we could go until it disconnects us again but um i think it's trying to trying to cut us off okay um, we get it. but yeah so go ahead Yeah, I was just going to say, you were mentioning, um, you know, the different different things like that. How would you can um, compare that Grand Traverse to some of the other traverses that you've done? Uh, so which traverse? I think it's called the Grand Traverse or something. It's a big traverse on the Gore Range. Oh, I've never done that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's one I've been curious about, but I've never got out there. Yeah, what uh, what they get you on our podcast? Let me do a specific, a peak specific episode. What's your uh, what's your best story? Do you, okay. you got any do you got any death stories? Or almost almost injured stories. Near death stories. Um, yeah. It wasn't. I mean, yeah, I guess you could consider it near death. I mean, I was doing um, 
what was it, Challenger to Kit Carson? Yep. And I got up challenge uh got up challenger. This is like right as the snow we'd already had maybe two snowstorms and I had my shoes on. I didn't even have boots and just stay on the ridge the whole time and avoid this so get to challenger i took that can you hear me okay so i didn't really go up through the the yeah i can hear you sorry disconnected again hello that's bad connection again on my end i think Okay. Can you hear me now? Better. So you're going up Kit Carson. So yeah, I got up. I was up a Challenger, and then I'm going through the avenues, and it was basically forcing me on the edge, just the way the snow fell. Oh yeah. And and then I got around the corner, and. It was just deep snow all the way down. So I looked at that. Um, I looked at that first face, and I was like, I could get up that. And so I did, I never actually walked around the corner to get up uh, Kit Carson. I just went straight up that wall. Okay, that's some solid route. So that was pretty scary for me. There was um, I hadn't gone like all the way to the right side of that face. I was still towards like the middle. So there was very, very small footholds. A lot of it had ice on it. And, you know, basically once I got halfway up the wall, I realized it would be safer to just continue up instead of trying to down climb. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that was probably my scariest moment was that, that, that side of Kit Carson. Yeah, I thought that was far harder than anything I did on Little Bear Blanca Traverse. Yeah, at least the rock is solid there by the Creston. That Creston conglomerate rock is – you can trust it. Yeah, and then that Creston one was pretty sketchy. Um, yeah, that storm just rolled in so fast over Broken Hand, and the inches started adding up and really slowed our time down. I ended up stepping in, um, breaking through the ice, and my foot got wet with like three miles left to go. So oh. that's why my micro spike was frozen on my my shoes. So, you know, we made it safely to the car, but it took like 15, 20 minutes. I thought my feet were going to freeze. I couldn't get the damn oh, spikes man. off. So, yeah. Um, quandary. I got stuck in a whiteout on the top. I had to turn around just a couple hundred feet from the summit. Dang, what that? What, what month was that? Oh, what month was that? That was maybe December of nineteen. December, or January. Yeah. Well, you get past November, December, it gets different beast. Yeah, it was just incredibly high snow. Like, I think I was up to my chest in powder. And when that storm rolled in, 
I didn't I didn't have <laughs> I didn't have goggles that day like an <laughs> idiot. And um so my gla- my glasses kept getting frozen and I then I'd take my glasses off and the like that champagne type snow was just like little pin needles in my eyes. Yeah. And then you know I'd step on a boulder and fall off on it because I had my snowshoes and they're goofy as hell. So, yeah, it was a humbling experience. <laughs> you know, because you think quandary, you think it's a, you know, that's a layup. Yeah. But not in the winter or bad weather. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Oh, you know, I remember. I'm quite closest to being. I know you got these on pyramid, but I don't know if you had any near death. Uh, we had some lightning on coming down over um, on Capitol. It was probably pretty scary and got uh, rained on and hailed on. Uh, probably my worst one was when we were we did Pine Creek. P- Pine Creek Basin is like the, the the valley between Harvard and Oxford and Belford. So it's a not kind of a non-standard way of doing those ones, and we had to cross a river kind of in spring season when it was spring runoff was raging and there's a bunch of ice on this little log we had to cross a, a raging river and i slipped and caught myself luckily but it, my, my probably closest to getting seriously hurt was getting swept in down the river in pine creek <laughs> and that was below tree line I wasn't even uh, the mountain climbing yet that's where that guy got lost for like three days, right? Yeah, same valley. Yeah, he did did Missouri, did Missouri Gulch. Um, that was fun. We went up and, and uh, podcasted from his house in Kremlin. Uh, yeah, got turned around on Missouri and descended the wrong into the wrong valley and got survived three nights or something like that. Yeah, that's wild. That was one of my biggest supper fests, actually. Missouri? Yeah, I did Missouri. And then instead of descending that thousand feet, I just took that ridge to the um, kind of where Elkad Pass meets up with, like going up uh, Oxford and Belford. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a, it's loose, isn't it? Like dinner plates, unbalanced dinner plates. I heard yeah, people describe that route. Yeah, it's, it's pretty loose. Um, yeah, it's pretty loose. Yeah, that's the route when the do you know what the Nolan's fourteen is? When the people that do this like sixty hours and do the whole Sawatch range. Yes. Yep. Yeah, so most people have to. They decide to either go up or down that that part of um, Missouri. It's kind of more the sketchier part of, of the, doing that. Yeah, it was. Um, that's one of those. I guess it played well into my style of climbing because I. I like to stay ridge proper as much as possible. So a lot of the stuff had been kind of um, shaken loose by climbers or dusted off or anything. Cause you know, you're the only one back there and it seems to be cleaned up pretty well. A couple stupid Cairns though. Okay. There was a couple Cairns where I'm like, why is that Karen there? They're like leading this person to death. <laughs> And so did you, you, you grab Belford and Oxford in the same trip? Yeah. yeah that's a yep. big day. That was a big day. It was about halfway. I got up. Well, what's the one in the back, Belford? Uh, Oxford's the further. 
you kind of go over Belford to get to Oxford from from the Missouri okay. Missouri Gulch. Yeah, so coming going back to the car, going up that hill again, I was just like, oh my goodness, <laughs> I was I was pretty toasted. My my legs were noodly. Yeah, but yeah, I think the worst one was uh, Uncompagre and Wetterhorn. I did those in the same day. Wow, wow, that's gonna and be a huge day. That was absolutely massive because I drove from my house at five p.m. Got to the trailhead. Um, I ended up starting at like midnight. I didn't get any sleep. And then came back to my car. I had a flat tire, so I had to change out my tire and drive on a donut six hours back to Woodland Park. Oh, that's a fun, brutal day. What trailhead did you do? Uh, I did it. Which one was it? I honestly don't remember. I remember going into Lake City and then driving up kind of a slanted, rocky area that I should I had no business being in with my Sonata yeah that road to Nelly Creek is, is a brutal road I don't, I don't know how you do that maybe it's maybe it's a standard is the standard trailhead to Wetterhorn and then you just connect them I actually did Uncompagre first and then I walked off the back side of uh, Uncompagre in that connecting area and then walked all the way back to Wetterhorn uh, okay so maybe it was Yankee Boy. Was there was there a uh, like a, a porta port like a, a, a outhouse there at the trailhead? Um, the Fourteeners Initiative people were there. Okay, hmm. they were they had like a huge tent with a uh, like bare wire wrapped around it. They were they had like a. It looked like they were there for a while. I think they're building up the trail there. Yeah, they do great work. Have you done Have you done Columbia? Columbia. Uh, that's no, I haven't actually. Harvard, Columbia, the, the nope. standard on, on Columbia. Harvard, Columbia, and Huron are the only ones I haven't done. In the down South. here, yeah, the fourteen initiative did a great work on t- taking a very loose, scree-infested, steep standard route on Columbia and made really nice rock-like steps really improved that trail in the last several years really okay yeah i heard that one's absolutely terrible yeah it's not anymore now the work they've done in the last couple of years but that's one that people always complain about that standard on columbia just being loose and like that dirt scree stuff you can slip on easily yeah yeah snuffles was quite frustrating for me I don't know how that guy was uh, skiing down the side because I was slipping and sliding all over the place. It was probably the ice mis- mixture. Yeah. <laughs> all righty, man. Well, yeah, I'm I'm having a lot of problems with my internet right now, so I'll probably have to cut it short. But I just want to thank you again for joining me on Returns Mandatory. Yeah, cool. I'll have to, we'll have to bite you on our non-standard 14er podcast and have have some other co-guests get a good discussion.
with you. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll end up being a much better final product because I'll probably still post it, even though it was so glitchy. Cool. Oh yeah, that was a quick. That was longer than hours. Time time flies when you're talking fourteeners. Yeah. Thanks for reaching, thanks for reaching out, and it's fun to hear uh, the value add that we have, you're getting out of our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I already I already broke trail to the grocery store, so we're good if we get trapped for the next couple of days. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> but yeah, it's all the way up to my knees right now. I'm gonna go shovel again. I might break out the igloo maker. Just to test awesome, it out man. Well, yeah, have some fun in that igloo and. Uh, all yeah. right, I'll be in touch. Maybe I'll see you out there. Cheers. See ya.